Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first lesson comes from Isaiah 11, beginning in verse 1. Listen now to the Word of God. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the flatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And on that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament reading today um, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it is where John the Baptist begins his ministry announcing the coming of the, of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. It is looking toward that advent. So let us turn our ears so that we may hear what God will say to us this day in this way. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him in all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? bear fruit worthy of repentance. 
Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to tie his sandals. He will baptize you with his Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. The road to Bethlehem is the road to peace. We have shared it beginning in the lighting of the Advent wreath devotion. Peace is our focus, our thought. But what is peace? What is peace? There are a variety of ways to think of it. So if you go to the dictionary and you look up in Merriman-Webster or any other dictionary for that matter, probably something like this. Peace is a state of tranquility or quiet. It is freedom from civil disturbance, a state of security, order within community that is provided by law or custom. Peace is freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or actions. It is harmony in our personal relationships a state or a period of mutual concord between governments, a pact or an agreement to end hostilities between those who've been at war or in a state of enmity. Peace is used interjectionally as to ask for silence or to calm or as a greeting or farewell. Peace has all sorts of dictionary definitions. Sometimes peace is defined as the absence of conflict Sometimes it is seen as the absence of confusion or chaos. Others say that peace is not the absence of conflict or confusion of chaos, but peace is the ability to handle and to interact with confusion and conflict and chaos. Different ways to look at it. What is peace? The scriptures today provide a variety of ideas about what peace is, and I think they're worth lifting up. Isaiah paints a picture of peace, but it was in a very difficult time. The Assyrian Empire is raining down on the children of Israel. They are, there is a unified kingdom and it is being attacked, and the result of that attack is that that unified kingdom will be broken in two. The kingdom of Judah will be in the south with Jerusalem and the surrounding territory, then Israel will be in the north. It will become eventually known as Samaria, and eventually those two people will be so separated by custom and family and practice that they will not think of each other as kindred anymore. It is the beginning of a time for which there is a horrible legacy that will follow. Yet, as that begins to unfold, Isaiah stands and he paints a picture for something else that is to come. 
There is one who will be the descendant of the royal house who will rise up with the spirit of the Lord. And in the face of the conflict, Isaiah says there will be this kind of relationship in the world. This spirit of the Lord will descend and a shoot will rise up from the stump of Jesse. New growth will come from the dead tree of the royal household and it will provide something wonderful. The Spirit of the Lord will come and it will provide the wisdom of counseling and understanding. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The cows will, and the bears are going to graze together and their young will lie with each other. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The little children shall play at the viper's den. And then the little children will lead all the people. There shall not be hurt or destruction in all of God's holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as far as the sea is from the sea. The prophet claims that this is the right relationship of the world. This picture of the lion and the lamb the bear and the cow, the little children leading. This is peace. But we know, don't we, that wolves and bears and lions are carnivores and they eat meat. Snakes, vipers, adders, cottonmouths, rattlers are poisonous and their poison is such that it can inflict harm and damage and even kill large animals, let alone small children. The world is a dangerous place and we know that. There are plenty of pretty thoughts and poetic images that come from this description in Isaiah, but, but we wanna make sure that our interests are protected. We want to make sure that our family is first, our nation is first, our place in the world is secure for there to be peace. Yet the vision, the vision was cast when the dangers were well known, when the foreign enemy was creating havoc and ultimately that enemy did destroy those people at that time. Where is the peace? The gospel image, the message also starts off with an ominous tone. There is no poetry, only a call for repentance. Turn around, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom is not necessarily here, but the kingdom is close by, close enough that you can touch it. You can feel it, you can sense it. You know that there's something out there that's pulling you. John the Baptist is saying the kingdom is close by. There's a darker image of what is now, but it has resonance. Indeed, some felt at that time that they should be called out and they stepped forward and they were baptized. They responded, they responded. 
this message, this image of peace from long ago, this prophecy, I want to be there. I want to be part of it. I want to claim it. And I will change my ways. But there was some that came forward that John was particularly upset about. It's not as simple as you think, John says. To repent is to turn around, is to go in a different direction. Don't say that you repent and keep doing what you have always been doing. What is the way of peace through the scriptures? These images of the prophet from the Old Testament and from the New, what is it that we change? How is it that we see? How is it that we know there is peace coming? I want to suggest two possibilities for finding peace and seeing peace and understanding peace in our lives and in the world around us. First, consider that small things have big results. The root will spring forward from the stump of Jesse. Have you ever walked in your yard or in the woods and you see there is a stump there and there is a sprig of new life that is coming forward? The root springs forward from this old dead stump. Small things have big consequences. Scientists tell us that small changes in the Earth's temperature are having a major impact on our climate. Glaciers are receding and oceans are warming. Small changes of only one or two degrees in our temperature in the world changes the world. But it's not just in the global sense. It can also be in a very personal sense. This is a compass, and I'm not the best with compasses. I didn't do well in scouts, bud. But I know enough about a compass to know that it provides directions for people who understand them. And this is a very simple compass. Some of you may work with very much more complicated machinery than this, but whenever you get on an airplane, there is a directional device that involves a compass, the same principles. And the pilot and the co-pilot and the navigational team depend on that. And they set their course and they use numbers to set those courses. And if they set their course just one or two degrees off of the place that they are going, they're going to end up in the wrong place. One degree of change in a direction from a destination will mean that you end up over a mile, you'll be 90 feet away from where you want to be. If you fly in a plane from one side of the United States to the other with that sort of deviation, you'll be 50 miles from where you want to be. If you fly around the world, you'll be 500 miles where you want to be. This is a well-known fact, and you may have heard it in any number of other venues or from any other number of speakers, but I think it also has an application for our spiritual lives 
because small changes make a difference in our destination in life. Sometimes we think we really have to turn all the way around, all the way around, choir, to see 180 degrees, to be changed, but we don't. If we just change our direction in small increments, we can produce different fruit. We could produce good fruit that God has opened for us. Stephen Montgomery is pastor of the Idlewild Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And when he was preaching on this passage from Isaiah a few years ago, he talked about the number of difficult situations that he knows people have lived in. He said, life is tough. And even though many of us live what might be called privileged lives, we still have to go through tough patches. Those times when we are sure our lives as we know them are over for all intents and purposes. Sometimes there are terrible blows, the loss of a spouse, the death of a child, the ending of an important relationship, a sudden pink slip, betrayal, a loved one's diagnosis of cancer, ALS, Alzheimer's, any number of horrible conditions. And it seems as if life is impossible. The joy is gone, the relationship is gone, the loved one is gone, the way of life is gone, the sense of purpose is gone, and sometimes that all happens at once. Yet, he says, as a pastor for 30 years, he has seen people enter those sorts of situations in those sorts of times. And by the same token, in that same vantage point, he continues, I have as a pastor amidst tragedies and losses seen new life come after. Every now and then, I see a little shoot of life bursting from a dead stump. What seemed like the end of everything worth living for is being transformed before my eyes into little tiny ways, to be sure little tiny ways, but being transformed nonetheless, even to the person it is happening to. But then he or she notices and though still hurting, begins to take a step towards healing. And he offers these illustrations that he has witnessed. A man who thought he might never risk loving again finds himself able to overcome his fear and open himself to a new relationship. A woman who has always equated security with a spouse discovers after a broken heart that she can make a home by herself and enjoy it. A couple that tried and tried and tried to have a baby with no luck and then tried and tried and tried to adopt with no luck. And then there's a baby in Peru. And then several years later, another baby in Nepal. He bears witness to this by affirming that it is he himself and his wife that were that couple that tried to adopt. And then there was a baby born in Peru, a son who came into their home, and then a young girl in Nepal, a daughter who came into their home. And now 
these years later has grown into young adulthood, and they celebrate that. The prophet Isaiah said that a shoot will come from a dead stump and bring new life. It doesn't start as a fully grown tree. It starts as a very small thing. Peace comes this way. In the small things in our lives, individually and together as a congregation and a larger community as the church, peace comes to us in small ways. The second way that we can see peace is to know that peace produces fruits. John the Baptist called out so many, but especially he was hard on those religious leaders. They came for the baptism of repentance, but John said, I'm paraphrasing here, wait just a minute, folks. You've done some pretty vile things. You've defended the indefensible. You have used your privilege for gain and to the disadvantage of others. That's not in the Bible per se, but it's, it's, it's pretty much an intent that he had. He's naming them and he's wagging his finger at them. Some may find joy in condemning others. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been part of a group that wants to just sort of, you know, man, those folks over there, they are so bad. They do all the wrong things. They do, they don't do it right. You know, we've lived through a political season when there's been a lot of finger wagging and everybody has said the other people are wrong, the other people are bad, the other people don't understand. We seem to enjoy that at some visceral level. Even as Christians, we do it as Christians. Oh, you know those Baptists, you know, they got it all wrong. And my gosh, the Roman Catholics, well. And, and what about those people of other faiths? Oh my goodness. We, we do it and we say that to have the right relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to believe a certain way. You've got to understand that relationship in a certain pattern. You've got to have a certain set of behaviors. You've got to do certain practices. You have to follow our culture. And there are times and places, though, where we encounter Christ in different ways. Because the relationship that we have at Christ, when with Christ as we grow in our faith, in our baptism, in our confirmation, in our early adult life, is subject to change over time. Think about your personal intense relationships in life. Your best friend when you were a child, a marriage you may have had, your relationships with, with coworkers, with family friends, are they, to, are they the same today as they were when it all began? For those of you who are married, are you today the same person you were when you stood with your spouse and you took your vows and said, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, until death do us part? My hunch is that most of us would say we, are, we have been changed a little bit. We've experienced some things in life when 
we have learned about ourselves. How many of us as children come to that place in a young adulthood where we realize that, you know what, mom and dad are, they're people. They're people. And they have anger and they have love. And my goodness, they can treat me as an adult. And I can respond to them as an adult. Oh my gosh. What's that like? Or maybe your best friend from childhood. What was it like at that moment when there was some controversy in your friendship? Maybe it was when you were playing a game or, or sitting together talking, but something happened and your relationship either deepened to a place of wonder and amazement or it shattered, completely shattered. Who we are today is open to change and Christ comes to us in different ways. I know that when, as a child, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church and I was baptized when I was about 12 years old. I affirmed that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior and I believed it. But what that was then is not what I, it is now. It has gotten so much better and richer and deeper. And there have been any number of points that I can look at back in my life and say, this is where God was intervening in my life, where our relationship with Jesus was deepening, where I was beginning to understand the peace of Christ that was different for it is part of a relationship. It is part of that deepening of fruits that happens. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians, he defined the fruits of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nine of them. And I think that there are probably others as well that we live into laughter and, and enjoying the presence and other ways of saying that there are things that are there that are important to God to make us who we are. And we need to produce those fruits. We don't need to produce the fruits of difficulty and, and oppression, the fruits of, that are the, the, the fruits that, that John condemns. Baptist minister Timothy Peoples puts it this way. Peace becomes a fruit issued from our changed hearts. Just a little bit of a change, a little bit of a direction. Maybe you need to go 180 degrees, maybe. But maybe you just need to go five or six degrees and find a good fruit for your life. He continues, it is produced when we cease the judgment and embrace a gospel that welcomes the difference of the other. Repeatedly, if it is hard to find peace, we may be the one suppressing the production of the fruit. We look for those small things that prop come forward and we look for those 
places where fruit is produced. And we acknowledge that we have complicity in that. And that is the road to Bethlehem. That is the road of peace, not just for ourselves individually, for ourselves as a congregation or as, as witnesses to Jesus Christ, but that is the way of the season that we are looking at here. The road to the peace of Bethlehem is to know that peace comes from those small things in life and it comes when we are changed, if even in small ways. Would you pray with me? Lord God, may the presence of Christ that we anticipate to come this Christmas be such that we see your peace breaking forth in the small things in our lives. And may your peace provide the courage we need to change our hearts and produce the fruit of your spirit. We pray in Christ's name, amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.